0: You're listening to the Disney One by One Podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing.
1: Hello and welcome to Disney One by One. This week, we're talking about Atlantis, The Lost Empire from the year 2001. And remember, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. If you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love that and we'll read it here on the show. Also, subscribe. Subscribe to our show. I don't say that enough. With me today, as always, is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome back to Disney One by One.
2: Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me back. Last time we hung out, I was crying in agony as my shoulder <laughs> was popped out of my socket and you were blowing our emergency whistles, which... We did not think we were going to have to use at the ropes course. <laughs> that is true. I'll bring in our guest, Ryan Kelly,
1: real quick, and then we can tell the rest of the story. Ryan Kelly, welcome to Disney One by One. <laughs>
2: hey, oh my
0: gosh. You guys had emergency whistles? That makes me so <laughs> happy. That's the saddest.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there were little pockets on our harnesses on the ropes course. They had little plastic whistles in them. They were like, all right, blow these if you need anything. Emergencies only. Yeah. We were like, these are funny. They actually gave us whistles and we actually used it. Yeah.
1: To add a little context to this, David and our brother, Matt, and their wives were in town in St. Louis last weekend visiting, and we all went uh, to have fun on a treetops ropes course together. And David slipped down some wet stairs It had nothing to do with the zipline or the ropes course. He tripped on some wet, muddy stairs, which I slipped on as well. However, I, I caught myself. David also caught himself, but it was a little harder and his shoulder popped out of his socket. So,
2: so technically, since you went down the stairs right before me, I could blame you for not <laughs> warning me of the <laughs> slipperiness. I slipped on the very bottom step, which was ground
1: level. And I yeah. just kind of just kind of, you know. I caught myself before even falling so i didn't realize all of them were that bad or else i would have warned you i'm sorry gotcha <laughs> i forgive you anyway ryan kelly i'll i'll welcome you again to disney one by one oh happy to be here it's gonna be fun uh hopefully less injuries than previous weeks so that would be good <laughs> we are all sitting down we are all sitting down awesome so uh, i know ryan from from westminster christian academy where the three of us all went to high school he's a little bit younger than both of us but uh he now lives in california Tell, tell us a little about a little bit about what you do. Uh, so I do. I do
0: now live in California. I went to a school in Michigan. We actually, yeah, we went to the same honor oh, two yeah. too, Calvin College. I
1: forgot about that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, decided that was enough snow, and so now I live in California. And yeah, I uh, I moved out here. I was a personal assistant for a while. Wouldn't recommend it. And then I was, I did accounting for movies, but every time the movie ends, the job ends. So I picked up a job and now I work at Disneyland. Did you like major in accounting or? I double majored in business and international relations. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And right now, Disney, thanks to the Disney Aspire program, is paying a hundred percent for my education to get a master's degree, which is really nice.
1: Oh, sweet. Okay. So yeah. I need to know, I need to know. We've had a couple of people on here who've worked at Disney. We had Andrew Perez on our Three Cab Heroes episode who, he worked in the, in, the, in the Indiana Jones stunt show in Florida. We had... Tara Romanowski on here who what episode was she on David? Winnie the Pooh. Yeah I think that's right Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and uh, she was a character attendant at, at Disney and was in the, in the Disney college program so Ryan Kelly what are you what are you what's your current job at, at Disneyland I need to know these things.
0: Uh so character attendant is probably the closest thing that I am right now. Uh, we're, we're called entertainment hosts and you pretty much you you move around with the characters and make sure that they're not getting mugged or attacked and which is its surprising how common people want to do the craziest things <laughs> to characters. It's just, it's so aggressive.
1: <laughs> have you have you gotten to control any of the rides?
0: I have not. We don't really get to okay. do uh, any attractions. I wish. Are you getting Jungle Cruise? <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> I'm honest. Just looks like Bud. Right now, I'm essentially there's this like specialty approval and it's called princess dining and it's really early in the morning and it's a short shift but for some reason one of like only 30 hosts approved for it and they just keep cramming me in there and that's oh god it's a lot here's the thing guests ask the most hurtful things and they don't even know it (laughs) uh i gotta I, let's see. Recently, I've been asked if I'm the live action version of Christopher Robin, which for those of those just listening, just a picture of a youth pastor. That's what I look like. It's pretty unfortunate. But yeah, I got asked if I was Gus Gus the mouse. I don't know where that came up. And I've at one point there's like a, there's this place where there's three princesses and I was at the uh, exit and they asked if I was the fourth princess. Still pretty male. Still not. You know, like that was there. uh yeah, say some things. I also had one dad ask me. He's like, "Do you dance? You move like a dancer." And I was like, "I don't know what that means, man." But it doesn't sound
1: unsupported. <laughs> <I'll> <it. laughs> you um, could you could pull off a Disney prince of some sort. Oh, <laughs> I that would be fun. I uh, yeah, you know. So what are what are sort of the so the insider secrets? What are some things you know working at Disneyland that 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 the average person wouldn't wouldn't know about? What do you get to What do you get to do and see? So it's fun because.
0: Backstage is a ton of fun because it's where everyone goes to kind of hang out and everyone is really close knit. It's, it, have you seen Into the end of the Spider Verse by chance? Yeah. If you ever wanted to see real life Spider Man wearing sweatpants, you just go backstage at Disney. That really <laughs> happens all the time. It's fun. Everyone also thinks that we have tunnels that run underneath Disneyland. That is Disney World. Florida, we are not, yeah. yeah, we're not that. It's fun. It's some of the little things that like you get to see that are just kind of, fantastical and and very bizarre the the inner workings of the park and also i guess kind of seeing what's actually going on to what the guests are seeing is really fantastic i think disney does a really good job with perception
2: so if you don't have the all the tunnels underneath the park you just have more tall walls like guarding blocking the view of hallways and things above ground or where do people move around in between all the different shops and stuff Kind of, it's mostly tall walls behind buildings is kind of where
0: cast members can come through. But honestly, a lot of cast members just walk right out on, we call it on stage,
1: yeah. like in the, through the parks. But if you're not looking for them, you don't see them. It's just kind of the way it is. And You can actually see a lot of the backstage stuff from the monorail. If you take the monorail around Disneyland, you can see like the employee Starbucks and some other some other hidden things in backstage. Oh, yes, you can, which, which makes backstage sometimes interesting where you're like, where's the monorail? okay run, 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 <laughs> run, run, run. <laughs> yeah, we've had some weird moments like that any any celebrity run-ins i know a lot of celebrities frequent disneyland yes i have run
0: into shakira on like my third week of work which was weird <laughs> uh she was i i don't know why i was expecting shakira to like be like just larger than like she's very she's very short and she she kind of looked like my mom and i didn't know how to feel about that. <laughs> it was just a lot to handle I was I was not in the park when Tom Holland came at this point. I had actually just uh, gone to New York for a comedy festival. He was there. I'm trying to think. I've definitely. Oh, Terry Crews. Terry Crews is also shorter than I expected in real life. He's still massive, though.
1: Right. That dude is so cool. Looks bigger because he is shorter, probably.
0: Yeah. Michael Buble is cool. He's just a really nice guy. Zachary Levi. Uh, he's walked by a couple times that so I've been like right next to him. I'm like, oh,
1: man. You're way cooler than I'll ever be. Have you been to Galaxy's Edge yet? I
0: have. It's so I got to be honest. There's not like a lot of there's one ride. The ride is fun. Yeah. The other ride is they're trying to get it uh, going soon. Right. But honestly, if you go there, there's not a ton of things to do. But just the scale and the scope of it is worth seeing. It's amazing. It feels like you're walking into another land. And so it's very cool.
1: Well, and the things that that are there to do cost $200 and $100 a pop to build a lightsaber and build a droid. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Do you want to spend $200 in the next 15 minutes? Uh, I'd rather not, but thank you. I'm excited for the rise of the Resistance ride. It looks uh, way cooler than the Millennium Falcon one.
0: It, I hope it
1: is. They're having problems with it. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's pretty common knowledge. Yeah, but I mean, so do you know why they're having problems with it? Because there's like 300 animatronics inside of it? Kind of.
0: the I don't know who did this. The ride is made via Wi-Fi. It's either Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to keep the okay. leg thing because it's trackless. Yeah. Yeah. But the land wasn't flattened right. So they're having to tear up everything and re-level like level the ground because it wasn't flattened well right now. Oh That's why gosh. we got pushed back. So it's just it's a what bunch of idiots. What does that have to do
2: with the Wi-Fi or Bluetooth?
0: Apparently, because whenever the Wi-Fi or the Bluetooth goes out, and it's not flat it skids off the side because
1: because oh. <laughs> the trackless vehicles <laughs> exactly it's not flat yeah it's not flat oh enough so god. they'll just like <laughs> oh my god so yeah so it's yeah it's well weird. they yeah, they moved the california release or open date to after the florida one mm-hmm. for rise of the resistance yeah because we got a bunch of <laughs> really really intelligent people working on it what's what's your favorite ride
0: at disneyland Favorite ride, a funny thing about Disneyland, I'd actually never been until I started working there. Okay. So I've actually, I don't have like those youthful memories of like going on rides. I probably, I loved during Halloween time last year, Space Mountain did Ghost Galaxy. And that was a really cool version of the ride because you're getting chased by solar systems and things like that. I thought that was cool. Other than that, everything's everything's fun. I've been on most rides. Oh, I love the Peter Pan ride because it's pretty. (laughs) That's (laughs) what I think about that, yeah.
2: You could probably play Peter Pan.
0: Uh, oh, not at 6'1". <laughs> oh,
2: you too tall for it. Okay. All right. right. Got it. He is supposed to be like nine years old or something.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I got the baby face for it. It's just not a... Yeah. So... We've obviously talked a lot about your, your, what you're doing at Disney. What, what sort of your Disney history growing up? It seems like you probably went to Disney World. Were you watching a lot of Disney movies growing up? I figured this out recently because people are, are shocked at how few movies I've actually seen. Really, play <laughs> more video games
0: than watched movies. Also, like, let's put it like this: I never seen any of the Harry Potter movies until like a month ago. Wow. Yeah, and now my roommates are like, "Hey, if you're gonna live here, we gotta fix this." So we we begun. Yeah, I watched Hercules until the VHS ran out. Uh, I watched a lot of like Hunchback things like that, but it was it was a lot of like older Mulan was great, yeah things like Tarzan, but I pretty much stopped, I haven't seen like I haven't seen Up, I haven't seen Zootopia, I haven't seen Moana, I haven't seen like some of the newer ones, but yeah, I've seen Frozen, I've seen Tangled. I'm
1: surprised they don't they don't force you to watch the entire catalog in order to work there.
0: You would think, but no, they're surprisingly they're just like hey, know what you need to talk about with those movies if you're going to work with them, and I'm like okay
1: <laughs> is there like a guidebook for if you're if you're the the character attendant for rapunzel or whatever you have to like read their whole bio and figure out learn all the things yeah there's there's
0: like master books of like everything you need to know about characters it's it's amazing very detailed
2: do they quiz you on it
0: not really not as guests do guests guests quiz you on the weirdest things. And they're like, oh, uh, what? When was this movie made? Uh, what year? But also month and date was it released? It's like I don't know, man.
1: <laughs> they're trying to. They're trying to show you how much they know.
0: Yeah, really. They're Just trying to flex. And yeah. It's like,
1: okay. All right. Well, it is the duty of our guests to to tell us their top five favorite Disney films and. You're welcome to cheat and give me more than that, but go ahead and and start your countdown at number five, unless you have some honorable mentions. I do
0: have five. I don't know if I've got any honorable mentions. Number one for me actually is Atlantis. I love it. I think it's the best. And that second is an unpopular opinion, as I've been talking to some friends about because I was talking to friends about making this list, and everyone at Disney has their their five laid out. Strong opinions, yeah. So strong. Uh, Chicken Little is my number two. I love Chicken Little. I, I think I saw it in... At like a a time in my life when I needed it most. And I was like, oh, it, it, it. also the song All I Know by Five for Fighting. Just oh,
1: perfect. I've never seen it, We're, but that's coming up pretty soon. Oh, so. you're gonna.
0: I don't know. I think I'm the only person that likes that movie, to be honest.
1: I think, five weeks, five weeks from now.
0: Five weeks. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to see that episode. To, <laughs> you're just lambasting me like, what is this idiot thinking? Hercules is number three for me. I, I do love Hercules. Emperor's New Groove is number four. I think it's so funny. And the Hunchback of Notre Dame is uh, my my fifth one, mostly because I think Hellfire is the best villain song across all Disney movies. I think it's awesome.
1: I wouldn't disagree, and it's also terribly uh, disturbing. Yeah, I think it's. I think it really just. It's like, oh man, no, he's a real bad guy. <laughs> like I'm afraid. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Well, that's fun. Yeah, your list is is sitting, sitting strong in the late 90s, early 2000s there.
0: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> that's where it lives. Uh, tar, like Honorable mentions would have been like Tarzan and Mulan just for the music. Those are amazing.
1: Late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I got my sweet spot. And before we move on, a couple more Apple podcast reviews to read for you. First, from Timmy Two-Step. Disney plays a big role in my life, from the animated movies as a kid to all the superheroes and sci-fi movies now as an adult. Great to hear tidbits of information on the animated movies from such knowledgeable hosts. Thanks, Mike and David. P.S. Can't wait for Atlantis. Hey, you got it right here, Timmy. (laughs) Keep listening. And from TLC77777, only six episodes in, and wow, my only regret is finding this podcast almost a year later. Monkey with hands on eyes. But you won't regret giving this a listen. Disney fan or not, you might learn something. Personally, I just want to hear people talk about Disney, even if I know most of the facts. I may not always share their views, but it's enjoyable to listen to them discuss what works and what doesn't as time has gone by, and in many cases, age these films. Keep it coming. Thanks so much for those reviews, and thanks for your feedback. We love to hear it. Thank you for listening. And with that, we'll move on to Atlantis The Lost Empire. For you, Timmy Two Step. And now, our feature presentation.
2: fortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared into the depths of the sea.
1: Atlantis is waiting. The original idea of Atlantis, the Lost Empire, came from a lunch meeting with Don Hahn, Gary Trousdale, Kirkwise, and Tab Murphy, who had all worked on Hunchback together. And they were out to lunch, just kind of hanging out, talking about the good times on Hunchback. And they're like, we need to make another movie together. So let's let's think of something. I started tossing around some ideas. And and something in the vein of Jules Verne, Journey to the Center of the Earth, sort of started, sort of started brewing. They had talked about the rich history of Disney widescreen adventure films. And that's more the live action ones. There was like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Treasure Island and a bunch of those old school live action Disney movies that they wanted to try to emulate in animation. And they're like, and... You know, we've done all these fantasies. There's Fantasyland at Disney, but there's also Adventureland. We should make an adventure, and so they started rolling with that, and that's where Atlantis came from. Uh, Atlantis is actually in Journey to the Center of the Earth. Very, it's a very small part of that book. So they decided to sort of take that and and blow it up. They wanted to make a movie about sweaty guys and girls and tank tops going off on an adventure, <laughs> uh, and it was also very much inspired by Indiana Jones. They had uh, T-shirts made for their crew as they were developing this that said, uh, Atlantis, fewer songs, more explosions. They wanted to make make an adventure movie. They brought on a guy named Mark Akrand, who is the guy who developed the Klingon language for Star Trek. No way! That's so cool! (laughs) In order to create the Atlantean language for Atlantis. Uh, they also brought on Joss Whedon, who started on the original screenplay of this movie. He he left early enough that he doesn't even really take credit for it, but he is in the credits and he's most well known for directing Avengers, at least a couple of the, the Avengers movies. And what else did he do? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is that Joss Whedon? He did Buffy, he
0: also did an underrated gem with Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog.
1: Okay, there you go. But he, he left fairly early in the project and Tad Murphy, who I mentioned, the guy who worked on Hunchback, ended up finishing the script. So for the cast of this movie, Uh, There's a few cool names in here, the the main one obviously being Michael J. Fox, very recognizable voice as Milo James Thatch, our nerdy hero. He was also offered a role in Titan AE. Ooh, I remember that movie. Yeah, a very similar movie. Came out around the same time, produced by Don Bluth, who we've talked a lot about on this show, who was a former Disney guy who went off and started his own company. And uh, Michael J. let his son choose which movie he should pick, and his son chose Atlantis.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. Titan A.E. I couldn't remember what that movie was called for the longest time, like since I saw it in theaters, because I saw it at my neighbor's birthday party. (laughs) What's the theater in St. Louis? Uh, that has the fake IMAX? Ronnie's. Yeah, (laughs) Ronnie's. We had like a special little birthday party room. I saw Titan A.E. It was a weird sci-fi cartoon movie. Yeah. Definitely a similar vibe to Atlantis. I cannot remember the name of the movie and I tried Googling it for like a decade and could not find it until <laughs> the last couple of years I had found the name of that movie. Yeah, that was directed by Don Bluth and released by Fox, and, but did not include Michael J.
1: Fox. However, I think it's Matt Damon. It's Matt Damon and Titan a. I think or so, Matt yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, Matt Damon and... Drew Barrymore. <laughs> John Leguzmo as well. <laughs> Leguizmo, Kim. Leguizamo. look Thank you. Oh, and Ron Perlman. Oh, bless him.
1: Love him. <laughs> Which we'll get into Hellboy in a moment. Oh, awesome. <laughs> um, so other other cast members, James Garner, very famous kind of Western actor, plays the, the voice of Commander Lyle Tiberius Rourke. We have Cree Summer playing Kida, the Princess of Atlantis. Jim Varney, who I recognize as the voice of Slinky Dog in Toy Story, is the voice of Jebediah Farnsworth. No way. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Lemmer, Leonard Nimoy plays the King of Atlantis oh my god wow i never put that together so the production of this movie went fairly smoothly compared to a lot of these other ones we've talked to of late they had up to 350 people working on this movie at at once in california florida and paris at all three disney studios that were open at the time it was one of the few disney animated films released in the 70 millimeter anamorphic format which is that super widescreen which we got on cinder not cinderella sleeping beauty and what were the other really widescreen ones dave do you remember I do not. Definitely Sleeping Beauty, and it, they chose that format as kind of a nod to the big action-adventure films like Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is that super cinemascope widescreen. The visual style was heavily influenced by a guy named Mike Mignola, who was actually brought on to help with the movie. He created Hellboy, which we just said. And so they, they really liked his angular style, and that was kind of the inspiration for the look and feel of this movie. Apparently, based on uh, something I read, the final shot of the movie, which is which begins close-up on like a rock floating in the air as as the two characters are climbing up this this building and then it pulls back to reveal the entire city of atlantis all these ships flying past was the most complicated and difficult shot in the history of disney animation they had to combine like 80 drawings together to like fit it all you know all that on screen oh my god that's amazing yeah this movie also had the most cgi in any disney animated feature up to that point there were 362 digital effects shots um, and they would make 3D wireframe vehicles and buildings and stuff, but actually paint over them with by hand to make them look like they were hand drawn, even though a lot of the stuff was made in computers. The music of this movie, the score was composed by James Newton Howard, a very famous composer. What has he done recently? He did the Hunger Games movies. He did Batman Begins. He did oh, wow. Fantastic music. Beasts. He did King Kong, and Peter Jackson King Kong. I think he i think he and han zimmer tag teamed on dark knight as well so anyway that's james newton howard he's pretty great and he made a really great score for this movie there are a lot of scenes with no dialogue and with just like visuals and ships flying and cool scenery and they're just like all right james make it make it sound great and he did a really great job with that basically scoring it like a live action film the release of this movie we're getting there we're almost we're almost done with this it premiered at the el capitan theater in hollywood have you been there ryan
0: uh that i have i used to because I just moved down to Anaheim, but I used to live up in Hollywood and commute down to Disney, which was huge pain. <laughs> it, it sucks because uh, it'll be anywhere from thirty-eight minutes to two and a half hours, depending on traffic. So that's fun. But yeah, been to the El Capitan because uh, it's right across the street from gramman's Get to I could walk nice. there from my apartment.
1: Do you still like commute back up to Burbank though to do comedy stuff? Occasionally, yeah. Okay. I do
0: that. All right. That's a long way. <laughs> I had a oh man, I did a comedy festival up there recently, and it was just a week straight of like this is hell.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But you live close to Disney now? I can walk to Disney. It's really nice. It's great. Anyway, this premiered at the El Capitan, which is a Disney-owned movie theater right across from yeah, the Chinese Theater and from the Dolby Theater where they have the Oscars. On June 3rd, 2001, it had its wide release on June 15th of the same year. It opened number two behind the Lara Croft Tomb Raider, which is kind of a similar movie. <laughs> it made $186 million worldwide on its $120 million budget, which was considered somewhat of a flop. Thomas Schumacher, who was the then the, who was the then president of Disney Feature Animation, who now is in charge of like I think Disney Theatrical Productions, he said, "quote It seemed like a good idea at the time to not do a sweet fairy tale, but we missed." This was the first year of the Best Animated Feature Oscar at the Academy Awards, but this movie was not nominated. Shrek won that year, Uh-oh. against uh, against Jimmy Jimmy Neutron and Monsters Inc. Uh, wrapping up here in this history, Atlantis was meant to be a springboard for an animated TV series. They had one ready to go called Team Atlantis, which would have been you know for the development of some of these characters. However, because the movie flopped, the series was not produced. Um, on May 20th, 2003, Disney released a direct-to-video sequel called Atlantis Milo's Return. Have you seen that? Nope.
0: Uh, yeah, I have I have seen it, and uh, it's not to be seen. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. <laughs>
1: in addition to, uh, another thing that got shut down was disneyland was planning on reviving their submarine voyage ride which i would think i think was shut down for a while
0: Yep, yeah, it uh because i was just about to say if we weren't going to mention this yeah disneyland the ride that i think is nemo now was looking like it was going to be And if you've been on the Nemo ride, it could have been so much better as the Atlantis ride. (laughs) The Nemo ride is essentially like they Pulp Fictioned the story of Nemo because it's just all out of order and all confusing, so the Atlantis ride would have been
1: awesome. Yeah, because it was originally just like some generic submarine ride. I don't know. The one in Florida was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I don't know if the one in Disneyland became that as well, but it was shut down for a little while. Then, yeah, they reopened it as Finding Nemo because Atlantis didn't work out. The ride's all right. It's got a long line and it's not that great. No,
0: it's not. It's just, it feels, you feel trapped and you feel confused while you watch. And so it's just, yeah.
2: That's pretty much my history of this movie. David, do you have any fun facts to contribute? I skimmed through the two hour behind the scenes documentary about this. (laughs) And one just funny thing that stuck out to me was, I guess they they probably started development on this around like, I don't know, 98, late nineties and it showed them researching Atlantis on the internet. Some of the websites they were looking at looked like the least trustworthy sources of <laughs> Atlantis historical info. As far as, like, you know, Plato wrote about Atlantis. There's not the, the fake historical info on Atlantis. The websites they are on were so funny.
1: Yeah, I saw that, and they looked like GeoCities' websites.
2: Yes, they did.
1: But that's what every website looked like
2: back then, so who really knows? Yeah, besides that, I just... You covered most things from the documentary. I didn't know that I Almost said Marty McFly who's the actor that plays Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I didn't realize that was the voice until I pulled up the behind the scenes afterwards. But Dude, that's such a recognizable voice. I know. There there were so many characters around <laughs> that time that were like that nerdy stereotype as well. I feel like that was an early two thousands trope. Yeah. I just wanted to, oh, good 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 vocab there, Dave. Thank
1: you. <laughs> I just wanted him to say You built the time machine? Out of a DeLorean? I was just waiting for him to say (laughs) that. The whole time. Just Yes, the whole time. I was waiting for it.
2: Mike said good vocab because my dad, for some reason, is like amazed that Mike knows the word trope, which I feel like (laughs) is a a pretty common word in like movie review context. He was listening to the Mulan
1: episode, I think. And I, I use the word trope like in its proper context, describing something used commonly in movies. Mm-hmm. And he texted me and he goes, trope? question mark And I sent him the definition of it. <laughs> and he's like, I know, but no one else knows. I was like, what are you talking what? about?
2: <laughs> Everyone who watches anything about movies knows what trope means So yeah, just right. reads books. <laughs> it's weird that he knows the word but doesn't know that other people know the word. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> and so I think we'll try to include that word in every episode now, Dave
0: yeah absolutely well, now you have to my yeah, God. now we have
1: to all right ryan you've talked about how this is your favorite disney movie but tell me a little bit more about your history with atlantis the lost empire before we get into our reviews
0: i don't actually know when the first time i watched it was i think that it had to be when i was a lot younger and now when I'm older, I really, okay, funny thing, I, I it takes place in 1914 and I know that, that if, for, I assume most of the listeners know, that is the start of World War One, And they've got a lot of like great World War One references and things like that. And that's actually one of my favorite time periods to study. So it was just, mm, just so beautiful. But I, when I, I, the first time I watched it, I was younger and now I understand a lot more. Even I watched it last night and at one point he references, Rourke says, uh, P.T. Barnum is right. And he takes off in the truck, which is he's essentially referencing the quote a sucker is born every day but doesn't say the quote so i was like man that is some deep cuts for children like that's
1: that's a lot and but then it they was... start singing whoa." whoa, whoa. <clears throat> yeah <laughs> that would that would do it yeah, yeah that was a greatest showman reference if you didn't get that <laughs> I, I still haven't seen it oh, okay it's, it's it's on my <laughs> yeah, I mean, So <laughs> the I listeners
0: are both of <laughs> our heads <laughs> yeah just... <laughs> but yeah i was actually also just because from missouri and had a shot pretty much most guns that exist. And they uh the types of weapons that they use are very like accurate to the time period, which is amazing. Even down to like the guys in the back of the trucks are using Maxim guns. But when Rourke is firing a machine gun when he's standing on the thing, that's a Lewis gun. And the subtle difference is means that all the weaponry and all like the the facets that they're using could be realistic and that's very cool to me i thought it was really cool
1: have i seen you dress up as one of these characters
0: i have definitely it's probably on instagram (laughs) i definitely have a picture of me as milo thatch
1: okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh, because you look just like him yeah yeah i mean the hair fits and so that's kind of all everyone cares about i the first summer or the first halloween that i was out in la I went to West Hollywood, which they close off the streets and like 500,000 people show up as like all different outfits. And so I went as Milo Thash and it was just, it was a ton of fun because the people who knew knew and the people who didn't, I just got to walk right by. So.
1: Right. Or I used to work. We had a giant Halloween party every year with like all of the creative people in St. Louis. And I, I was, have you seen the movie Memento, Ryan? Yes. I, I like custom made all of the tattoos that the guy wears or that the guy has because no he, he has tattoos all over his body to like remember things because he, he is short term memory loss so I like ma- meticulously recreated them and got them printed and like put them all over myself I would say 25% of people knew exactly what it was and they're like that's the greatest thing I've ever seen and so <laughs> the 75% of people were like why do you wear what are, what are all these tattoos <laughs> oh my god is that on your Instagram uh, if you just if you google memento costume it's the first thing that comes up <laughs> what that's amazing because I put it online somewhere Way. yeah it's the first thing that comes up
2: oh yes it is
1: <laughs> it was not for me
0: what really? the heck is coming up for yeah i don't know <laughs> i just want to show you the picture that did come up i don't know how to he looks like the guy from the game
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's operation, operation.
0: Yeah, did, you that's spe-
2: did you spell it right <sighs> okay it came up that's so cool The top comment on the Reddit post is your hair looks like noodles. (laughs) (laughs) Because I like sprayed it blonde with this like crappy hairspray.
1: Anyway, where were we? You can ask about my history with the movie. (laughs) David, had you seen Atlantis
2: before? Yes. Pretty much my memory of this movie comes from the McDonald's Happy Meal toys, (laughs) which I've said, I think I said the same thing for the dinosaur movie. We apparently ate at McDonald's a lot as children. I'm lucky I'm not obese I may be after the shoulder injury, though. <laughs> but there was one McDonald's toy in the Happy Meal selection out of the nine. That was the crystal, the power crystal okay. on a necklace. And you press the button on the little crystal and it lights up blue. And I remember like getting several Happy Meals because I didn't get that toy. Okay. And I really wanted that one. Nice. I had a few of the other ones. And I finally got the crystal and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I don't know. Well, around... 2001 2001, yeah so so i was like eight years old right around the target audience that would get obsessed with the power crystals apparently nice
1: i do not think i had ever seen this movie watching it the other day nothing rang a bell oh there you go ryan's got the glasses (laughs) and the crystal (laughs) i
0: I was like i I looked over to my right and i saw the crystal sitting on the desk and i was like all the glasses are there
1: (laughs) here show it to me one more time i'm gonna take a screenshot of it got it okay got it awesome See, I don't think I'd ever seen this movie. I don't know. I don't know why, but there's sort of this chunk here: the, the Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, Home and like these these early mid 2000s movies. I just never saw it. I guess it's because I was in middle school and high school and I was too cool for Disney at the time. But uh, yeah, Atlantis. Don't think I'd seen it. Ryan, now that we've watched it again, what was sort of your initial reaction? You probably hadn't seen it in a little while. What, were, what, were your, what are your overall thoughts on this movie?
0: I still think it's great. I know Disney right now is looking at, like, casting the live-action version of it, and people have, like, put around Tom Holland to do it, and I really hope Tom Holland doesn't do it, if I'm honest. because <laughs> he's, he's short and stockier, and I want Milo Thatch to be the kind of, like, tall, wafy guy that he is. But there's I love some of the fan castings from it. That's Me and my, me and my roommates who all work at Disney were sitting in... The living room like fan casting it ourselves. So it was it was it was just fun. It was a good time. Other than that, I really it was just like some of the references that they were throwing out, like some of the historical references were really cool. I also I love the steampunk look of everything. Like of that initial ship, I think that's so cool.
2: David, how about you? No, I think I'd probably only seen it during the Happy Meal days. Yeah, I I really liked it. I definitely enjoyed the art style, the steampunk style, something that I like and I recognize I like in like some of other video games and movies and things like that. We said this a lot, but it like going through this list, that it didn't really feel like a Disney movie in quotes just because it wasn't a musical. But we've obviously there's a period of time where there's a lot of non-musical Disney movies. So I don't think we can really use that as a fair critique anymore. Um, but another reason why it just didn't feel totally Disney-ish was just because of how like sci-fi and fantastical it was like just the whole ending and the whole kind of concept of the the power being controlling everything and just all the craziness that went on it was a little little out there for a Disney movie which I like it just was a little bit unexpected I've mentioned I sometimes enjoy non-musicals better and in this case I think it definitely paid off as far as the character development like you mentioned and just having more time to flesh out the character relationships and um, get to know them a little better i enjoyed it mike what did you think this movie was never like hyped up for me at all which is a good
1: thing we, we had Emperor's New Groove last week, and there was so much hype going into that movie because so many of our guests put it on their top whatever list that I was expecting to be like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, and I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed by it. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> That's okay.
0: I'm just crushed over here. Don't mind me.
1: And so really knowing very little about this movie, and no one has really talked about it in our 40 episodes of this show, I was very pleasantly surprised, and I really enjoyed it. It was, as you said, David, very unique for Disney, very different, but I thought it was great. From the beginning, it just felt different. It had this cold open with people speaking not English with subtitles. I'm like, Where is, what is this? Are they expecting children to be able to read these? Is this, is this, is this important? And from there, it just turns, I mean, it's an Indiana Jones movie, and it's like a really good one. I loved all the characters. The cast of characters is great and very diverse and different and fun from the old lady <laughs> with the headset to the to the doctor, to the cranky old prospector voiced by Slinky Dog Man. Um, and I think Michael J. Fox does an incredible job voicing, voicing Milo in this movie. It's such a great, memorable character. Now, some of you
0: may ask, why Atlantis? It's just a myth, isn't it? Pure fantasy. Well, that is where you'd be wrong
1: yeah a lot of the fantastical stuff is really weird with the crystals and but i didn't care like i don't really know exactly what was going on with all that but i didn't really care because it's so just visually stunning the music is great and uh, yeah i really enjoyed it this was this was quite the surprise i'm glad it wasn't hyped Those are my overall thoughts. Any other just sort of observations? I am just so glad that you enjoyed it. Thank God, because <laughs> that, that would have been,
0: I'm not going to say I would have gone to bed sad, but you know, it would have. <laughs> yeah, that's a no. Um, I do think the cast of characters is amazing. I think that there's very, I don't know, quite as many Disney movies that can put together such a dynamic group that you feel really attached to. And also that are just that are uniquely funny and but they're funny in a community setting. I think it's really fantastic.
2: I think the only other guest that had this in their top five was Tim on the dinosaur episode yeah. a few weeks ago. And he's a geologist and likes archaeology and historically kind of based things like this. So that makes sense. I One big problem I have is just that it doesn't really make sense, especially towards the, the end of the movie. So like once she gets absorbed into the energy source and the bad guy kidnaps her they put her in this box and then she like freezes over for some reason (laughs) like what are they trying to actually do with her once they bring her back to the surface level how 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 are they expecting to like harness that energy doesn't make any sense
0: then granted i'm just blowing smoke but it might be I, i think they just want to sell it regardless of what they think it is and they mentioned like the kaiser so at the time I don't know. Germany's kind of notorious for building super weapons, so you know I think they'd figure it out. <laughs> but uh, they never really go into explaining it if it's like electromagnetic, because at one point Rourke gets infected by it and then he's kept to ribbons, but the glass itself becomes or like his pieces are enough to like rip through. So I wonder if that's like radiation that's making it hot enough or if it's like what type of thermal exchange is going on. But granted,
1: probably not something that is even in the Bible of the movie (laughs) that I'm talking about right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Like I said, those things, they just kind of let wash over me. I didn't really care
2: because it was fun. That was a very interesting demise to the villain when he turns into that weird lava demon thing. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that to happen.
0: I don't think the kids were either who were watching it. I like, because that's... Now
1: as an adult watching I'm like, oh, that's fine. But as a kid, I mean, oh, my God, <laughs> did he just get cut to ribbons? Yeah, yeah that is interesting. This is also like a really good entry into this genre, I think, for kids. I think so, too. As opposed to showing them Raiders of the Lost Ark with the, you know, face melting arc scene at the end. or That's, that's <laughs> definitely not easing in. This is probably what I'll show my kid first before we dive into Indiana Jones, just to kind of see if she'll jive with the genre. But it's certainly just a great, great genre piece that we definitely haven't gotten from, from Disney.
2: The beginning of it definitely reminds you of Indiana Jones when he's in his cluttered classroom. And that was a, it was a clever little camera trick to make you think he's presenting to an audience. Once he took that phone call, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's fun.
0: Oh, would you gentlemen, please excuse me for a moment. Cartography and linguistics, Milo Thad speaking.
2: But I like the whole, the whole school vibe at the beginning was definitely Indiana Jones inspired.
1: Um, I'll just shout out one more time the score of this movie. I think the music is incredible. Music can add so much to a movie, especially one like this creates a really cool vibe and really makes it feel like that epic movie that it is. That combined with the, really, I mean, the incredible animation and like I mentioned, that sort of widescreen aspect ratio. All these things put together really make this a really, really cool and, and fun movie. All right, if we don't have anything else, we'll move, we'll we'll start wrapping this up. Ryan, it is it is the duty of our guests to come up with a rating system specific to the movie we're talking about. So we can rate this movie out of anything you want. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, put in, I'm trying to make it uh, World War Oney. Um so
0: we could go for like uh if we wanted to go like Red Baron style, we could go Manfred Fred, Fred Richthofen. we could go like uh Downs, we could go uh ace kills, we could go um we we could go by like tiers of the of the trenches like what <laughs> whatever you want <laughs> oh man uh, but but it's got to be numbers so I'm like da, 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 da. we go by caliber yeah let's go by caliber <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's from what to what
0: oh smallest weapon used in World War One was the Calibri Calibri pistol that is I think it's millimeter it's a two point seven millimeter is the smallest okay.
1: that's tiny okay so that's the low so two point so 2.7 yeah, is 2.7 the lowest. yeah two point seven is
0: the lowest and then the biggest artillery in world war one I, I think it was like it was called big bertha if i'm right it was mounted on a train that is it was able to shell paris from 120 kilometers away big boy that is uh 211 millimeter so 2.7 to 211
1: okay so go ahead and give us your rating from 2.7 to 211 and give us your final thoughts uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: well technically it was later reborn to be 238 so i'm going to stick with the original boring of the big bertha gun at 211 there's definitely some things that could be fixed They're like there's some some things that maybe like could be a little more smoothed but i think that the music is amazing it just completely captivates and i love milo as a hero and i love the the team sense so i think it's wonderful it's definitely my favorite disney movie
1: all right so what's your number
0: Oh, uh, 211. Oh, you're giving it 211? I am giving it 211 because the gun later got rebored to 238. So I guess the actual total is 238 because I don't want to make it perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wait,
2: is it out? What's sorry. the maximum score possible? 238?
0: Yes. 238. 238, yeah, because it later got rebored. Okay, okay,
1: so you gave it a 211 out of 238. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. All
2: right, David, your rating of Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and your final thoughts. Uh, I'm finishing up my calculations. <laughs> All right, I give it 197 millimeters out of 238, which is around an 83%. Um, very solid movie. I it was also I think underhyped from our the last 40 guests that we have talked to, because nobody really mentioned it besides Tim. I just really enjoyed it. I liked the main characters, I liked the side characters and the whole group dynamic. Um, I thought the villain was very solid, not like overly villainy. And it was actually kind of a good subtle twist throughout the movie as he turned more evil 197 millimeters all right out of 238 what you ryan you gave it 211 okay
0: i did
1: i'm gonna say i feel like your score should be higher than that if this is your favorite movie of all time Uh, favorite
0: favorite disney movie Disney movie of all time
1: all right. Well, I'm going to settle in. At, I'm going to say 215. I mean, I really, really like this. I think uh, this is one that I will certainly rewatch just as just a fun action movie. It's not even necessarily as a Disney movie. It's just really it was just good. The cast of characters, the yeah, the steampunkness, the technology, the the cool mix of CG and hand drawn stuff, which really wasn't as jarring as some of these past ones have been. And uh, yeah, as a whole really great movie so that is atlantis the lost empire ryan kelly thank you so much for joining us today on disney one by one no problem thank you so much for having me i appreciate it this was fun and uh david as always it's been a pleasure
2: oh no he's completely of... blanked on the quote this week are you looking for a part of the movie because i unfortunately know it a little too well uh... <laughs> you got something sporty you know like a tuna like a Tuna? yeah <laughs> we need a line from
1: the old lady those are the best uh, we're all
0: gonna die uh <laughs> March, I
1: don't think he's coming back, honey. Uh... <laughs> All right, we got enough quotes there. So with that, uh, we'll end the show. Remember, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1, and please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We would love that. Next week, we'll be back with Lilo and Stitch. I've never seen it, so I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Ryan looks, looks amazed and surprised and terrified. I'm stunned. It's good, though. That'll be fun. <laughs> so we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions,
0: send us an email to disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at disney1x1 and at disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast.